0: Hello and welcome back to the Fince Nation UK podcast. We are here to view our Week 12 victory over New York Jets, which, strangely for us at the moment, is on a Sunday morning, which normally our game reviews happen post-Sunday games. But as we all know, it was Amazon's first ever Black Friday as the Dolphins ended up victorious, winning by 34 points of 13 to go 8-3. And, and for now... Top of the AFC seedings. I am, as ever, your host Andy Davis, and I'm this week. I'm joined by a returning guest. He uh, came on for our Chargers Week One game review. Back with us today is Go Time Dolphins. Kadeem Simmons. First of all, Kadeem, how are you? How are things?
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm good, thanks. Um, can't complain. It's a Sunday morning, and the Dolphins have already won, so the rest of the Sunday is a bonus. But no, it's all good. How are you?
0: I'm good, I'm good, same as you. It's nice to wake up. It's weird that both both my sports teams I love, both Liverpool and the Dolphins, have already played and it's Sunday morning. I'm used to at least one of them playing on a Sunday, so it's gonna be a weird, weird one for me, but yeah, all good, um, yeah, all good, you know, start my g job is give me sport, um you know weather's not the best right now, but it's less than a month of Christmas now, and that's my favorite time of the year, so yeah it's a it's a good time at the moment for me as well um. Now, before we get on to the game itself, now if I'm right in saying you were in you were in Germany for the Dolphins game recently. Um just tell us a bit more about how you found that experience.
1: Um, it was arguably the best weekend of my life, if you take away the result. Um been to numerous London games, seen the Dolphins playing London twice. Um those atmospheres, while they are brilliant, they're kind of mixed. And for anyone who has been to a London game, it just feels like a massive party. Whereas in Germany, this felt like I was in the Chiefs stadium, which is weird because I've never been there, but it was a hostile environment. The Chiefs fans were so loud. It felt like the entire stadium was supporting the Chiefs. And obviously there were Dolphin chants, there were people rooting for the Dolphins, but we were so, so outnumbered. And yeah, with aside, outside,
0: it was just an amazing, amazing experience. I mean, for everything I've heard from people who went even last year, I know a couple of people who are Buccaneers fans that I I've got to know and they were saying last year in Munich how good it was. And we had Martin Nidden on earlier this week to preview the Jets game and he was saying about how it did feel like it it was mainly it was like what sixty percent Chiefs fans, thirty, twenty percent um Dolphins fans and the rest were neutral. And you know, I, I think, you know, I think it's one it's one of the good things, one of the bad things at the same time about London games, the fact that yeah, it's great that you see every jersey on display, but at the same time, you you, you rarely... I mean, the Bills game is one of the exceptions because it that, that actually felt like a home game, but most of the time, the home team is actually one of the least followed in the stadium, the actual team playing. But um, yeah, for everything I saw on the TV, it looked like Frankfurt was, you know, was, was exactly what you want from a game in America and the closest you'll get to that. And I think that um, Frankfurt as well, I think because it was... First of all, it was um the roof was closed, but also I think because it was a smaller crowd than maybe other stadiums, um I think that meant it was more of a sort of a condensed in noise and atmosphere. And I think you know I mentioned before, but you know as a Welsh football fan as well, like we moved from Millennium Stadium, ninety thousand fans to the Cardiff Stadium, which is about forty five to thirty thousand, and we've done immediately better since that because there's less fans available but it's all therefore creates more noise it's not really a empty seat in the house so I think that can be good as well and I think that the UK may take a lot I think from the journey games and I think we have to be worried about the future of the London games I think we we'll always have them I think Wembley will always have games but I think with the constant concerns about turf that have come out from players like Ron Miller about the Tottenham Stadium and the fact Germany had seemingly doing a better job than the UK at the moment of of um getting that um actual fan base from the teams to to dominate the crowd, I think it's um can only be good things for the German fan base. And I think they'll they'll go from strength to strength in their um in their international series um the amount of games they get per year potentially.
1: Yeah, it's a weird one and this sounds like I'm
0: not trying to take
1: away anything from from the London crowd and stuff like that. But I think realistically, if you're a dolphin, or if you're if you were a fan of the Dolphins or the Chiefs living in London, you'd be more inclined to try and get tickets to go to Germany, if that makes sense. Like because don't get me wrong, Dolphins in London, I have to be there, but also so will a lot of other fans. Like if you're a Seahawks fan, a Jets fan, you know, a Bulls fan, I don't think it matters. You you go, you know what? I probably want to go to that. And like you said, because there's more tickets, and you probably do have more fans who actually aren't fans of the actual teams and stuff like that. I saw Patriots jerseys, you know, Bucks jerseys, all that kind of stuff in Germany. But they were so few and far between compared to, you know, when I'm in London. And even where I was sitting, there were people who, I don't even think they were NFL fans. They were kind of just sitting there watching it, didn't really make much noise. But the ones who were Chiefs fans, Dolphin fans, they really their voices heard and in terms of the turf and stuff like that it's a really weird one because it's not like tottenham stadium the turf they use is the same one that the spurs players play on it's two complete different pitches so there really is no reason why they can't have grass i'd be inclined to say it's a laziness from spurs in terms of you don't need to water astro turf you just leave it there so When it's not being used, it's, you know, underneath the football pitch and that's completely fine. Doesn't need maintenance, all that kind of stuff. But I'm sure we'll get to in terms of MetLife and stuff like that. Players do not like playing on turf and it causes more injuries. And I can see why NFL players are coming over to London, not exactly, you know, keen about that trip in general. And then have to find find out they're playing on turf. It must be really annoying.
0: Well, you mentioned it, you might as well get into it now. I mean, we got the win, it was obviously it was great, and I think there's um you know, I've never seen a team beat eight in three in my life. I think there's a lot of Dolphins fans, particularly my age and maybe in their thirties that also had the same feeling. And um but it came at a cost. Um late on and I think it was I think it was the fourth quarter of the game, maybe late third quarter. Uh Jalen Phillips um tore his Achilles, which means, you know, despite Aaron Rodgers' beliefs, that will be a long a long layoff uh, for him which obviously means the whole season's done for him uh, which i think is a big blow because he was not only a big part of the team anyway he was playing very well in this game and he was starting to get his groove i think. thinking you know i think the whole team were really you know with the big Vanjo system you know he, he it took a while for us i think to get used to you know conceding 30 over thirty points to Chargers. You know, week two, we um, you know, against the Patriots, we almost let a a lead a, a half time twenty to three or seventeen to three lead slip. Uh but recently, recent weeks, we've really upped our game. And I think Phillips was a huge part of that. I mean, just looking at the game alone against the Jets, he had one sack, uh, four total tackles, two quarterback hits. Um, and he I think the streak was, I think, five games in a row with a sack or five games in a row with something like that. And he was he was performing really well and it's um you can make an argument, apart from Ramsey maybe, our most crucial player on our defence. And he's now gone for the year. Um, and obviously the whole argument has been about the turf situation. There's, been a, there's a long list of players I saw on Twitter that have been injured, uh, fired died by this MetLife turf. And um, it makes you worry about that. But just how big of a miss do you feel, Kadeem, as well as myself, that he's going to be for the rest of the season and the playoffs? Um,
1: so, so I've got that list here, um, because I saw it on social media and I had to, you know, save it to my phone, um, quickly. Like since 2020, I mean that's only three years ago. The the list of players who have suffered notable injuries on Met, at MetLife: Nick Bosa, ACL tear, Solomon Thomas ACL tear, Jimmy Garoppolo ankle sprain, Raheem Moster MCL tear. Sterling Shepard, Achilles tear. Sterling Shepard again, ACL tear. Wanda Robinson, ACL tear. Blake Martinez, Achilles tear. Shane on um, Patella tendon tear. Gabriel Peppers, ACL tear. Carl Fuller, ACL tear. Aaron Rodgers, Achilles tear. Al Woods, Achilles tear, tear. And then obviously Jalen Phillips. Going into the game, I saw so many Dolphins fans saying, get the win, but also no more injuries. And people say that quite a lot. But when playing at MetLife, it felt like it took on, it takes on a different meaning. It really is no serious injuries because for whatever reason, this turf just, you know, swallows up players like, like it doesn't exist. And the Jalen Phillips one is really annoying because he battled a few injuries this season. Nothing major, but his season never really got going until the past few weeks. Like you said, he's really starting to come into his own. Him and Bradley Chubb are just, you know, tearing offensive lines apart and him going down the way he did, you know, non-contact it's we've all seen the replays. The moment he takes off, he, he goes down and those are always the worst non-contact. It's like, yeah, that's him done. Um, you can see like the ripple in his calf and stuff like that. It was just absolutely horrible. Um, I think he's tied. Yeah. Jalen Phillips is tied in terms of sacks for the Dolphins, six and a half him and Christian Walkins if the Dolphins have serious aspirations of reaching the Super Bowl, Jalen Phillips would have been a massive part of that, and yeah, it's just a shame that he went down the way he did you know, toward the end of the game where there was nothing left to play for outside of, you know, personal pride he'll be a massive loss, but you know, hearing what Javon Holland said after, the team's going to play for him, they're going to rally around him Um, it's you no, know, it, it doesn't make up for the loss, but you you can tell that these guys are going to be with him, every, with him every step of the way. And even Bradley Tubbs said, you know, he'll be in the recovery room with him making sure that, you know, he doesn't feel alone because you can only imagine, you know, that everyone else is on the training field, during games, all that kind of stuff, and you're just in rehab by yourself. So it's not nice, but at least we all know that Phillips has the entire locker room around him as he, you know, steps back, steps back, recovers from this horrific injury.
0: Yeah, and I think that, you know, I think the age he's at, uh, I think he has got. Hopefully, provided no contract issues arise, he's got a lot more years with us. And I think that, you know, he's going to be. I I do believe he's going to be one of the in the next five years. He's going to be seen as one of the top players in in his position in the whole league. And I think that, you know, I think he. Apart from, I think, Tyree Kills, the leader right now, but I think he's probably one of the most, for me, personally, the way his career, I think, will go. He's one of the most likely Dolphins players on this current team to be ending his career with a gold jacket, and I think he's got so much potential, so it's a shame. But apart from him, I mean, the other, I mean you mentioned Christian Wilkins. Um, he will be a big part of our defence going into the playoffs because looking at the stats, he is the third most sacks from interior linemen, this season, only Chris Jones from the Chiefs and Justin Maddo BK from the Ravens have got more sacks. So he was just excellent on the game against the Jets. Two sacks in this game, uh, I think, got between four and six tackles as well um, in this game. Um, and he, again, again, like Phillips, took him a while to settle in, not so much because of injuries, but I think took him a while this season to get accustomed to the financial system, especially after signing a new deal. Um, There's a lot of people asking questions about him, but I thought he was excellent against the um, against the Jets, um, and the whole team were. I mean, Emmanuel Ogbe, one and a half sacks as well. Even to Sean Hand got a sack. Um, talking to Zach, Zach Seeger got a sack as well, and other players such as Bryce Hurth, Solomon Thomas, and Raekwon Davis, and Michael Clayman all got involved and got at least half a sack to a sack each. I mean, we know who we were playing. We know it was Tim Ball. We know that he came into the year as a third choice quarterback. Um, so obviously that it wasn't the hardest test in the world for the Dolphins defense. I mean, we've we had played the Eagles recently, and although we did shut out the Chiefs, I think that's something I want to go into because it's been just how good was that defense for you on on Friday night and just how good has it played for you the last few weeks. So shut out the Chiefs, the Raiders, yeah, we we had thirteen points, but um for me personally, the defense has been almost the star of the show the last few weeks.
1: Yeah, that Raiders game, we won because of, because of the defence. The offence never really got going. It wasn't the same against the Jets on Friday night, but I was watching it with some Jets fans, and it got to the point in the fourth quarter where they were saying they would take the Jets' offence getting into the Dolphins' half. Like It was just a complete shutdown. They never let the Jets get going. I think Brees all finished the game with something like 25 yards. Um, The Dolphins have shut down essentially every single team's run game outside of the Chargers in week one. And yeah, a lot of it is, you know, the the team getting used to Vic Fangio's system, the return of Jalen Ramsey, Christian Walkins. you know, starting to turn up against Zach Sealer, Bradley Chubb, someone who obviously we traded for and paid a lot of money to and people felt that he wasn't producing. He's now starting to get the... The sacks and the stats which he's played has kind of deserved since the start of the season. Once you mentioned, Jalen Phillips, but no, this, this this Dolphin defense has just been absolutely superb and starting to get takeaways now as well. They even if they're not racking up the sacks, although I think they're like tied for second or third in the league, they're just finding a way to get to the quarterback. You know, little nudges, little pushes, and all that kind of stuff eventually causes quarterbacks, no matter how good you are. Just start, you know, trying to go through your progressions even faster because, you know, within three seconds, you'll have a Christian Walkins or a Jalen Phillips or someone on top of you. So, you no, know, the Dolphins' defense is definitely coming into form at the right time of the season. And especially with the next few games coming up, you know, I can't imagine the likes of Sam Howell, even though he's throwing all over the place, um, whoever the Titans starting quarterback is right now, I can't imagine this defense lets up more than ten points, you know, maybe thirteen if you're lucky. And that's that's a sign of hopefully a championship caliber defense.
0: Yeah, and I think the next few games is huge because I think on paper, they're all winnable. I think commanders, what they're four and seven, four and eight right now, just give up forty five points to the Cowboys. You've got the Titans who have only won three games all year at time of recording. And then the Jets, we've just beaten them with ease, and we don't know what what It'll be in three weeks' time, but I can't imagine being anyone but Tim Boyle, Trevor Simen, or Zach Wilson playing against us. So I think, especially with the three games after that, being the Ravens, Cowboys, the Cowboys and Ravens and Bills, I think that these three games are big, not just because I think um, for AFC seeding point of view, but also for the AFC East. I mean, I, I do think the Bills will beat the Eagles, but they, they, they may well not on paper. And they've got the Eagles, Cowboys and Chiefs in the next three games. And that's, I think... That three games are this huge because I think generally the Bills have potential to lose all three of those games. We have the very much potential to win all of those games. That means they'll have six wins and we'll have eleven wins. That could generally actually mathematically sew up uh, sew up the AFC's title. And that's something that I've never seen. I'm sure you've not seen either. Uh, we haven't won it since 2008. I think there's a really good chance if we can win those three games that we may may easily sew up that AFC's title. And I think that means that going into the rest of the season. The pressure is slightly off. I mean, obviously, we want to get as high seeding as possible. But how good would it be going into that Ravens game or even that Cowboys game on Christmas Eve, going into it with the AFC East sewn up?
1: Um, Yeah, that's that's the real, I guess not issue for the Dolphins, but those final three games. And as you mentioned, the Bills have some very, very difficult games over the next few weeks. So, yeah, there's every chance that the Dolphins... As long as they get, you know, their job done, they beat the Commanders, they beat the Titans, they beat the um, Jets once again, then, yeah, we head into that Cowboys game with the AFC East. If not not wrapped up and secured, you're looking at going, well, you just need the Bills to essentially drop one of the last few games. And you've got the Bills on final game of the season. I think there's, and again, probability, all that kind of stuff, doesn't really mean much because anything can happen. But I saw that if the Bills lose today, today being Sunday against the Eagles, and some other results go the Dolphins' way, then the Dolphins will have like a 99% chance of winning the AFC East. Um, I, I think that. after, yeah, I think even before the win against the Jets, the Dolphins had like a 94% chance, according to the New York Times, of winning the AFC East. Now, a lot of it just comes down to the Bills having the Eagles this Sunday, then they're on a bye week, then they've got the Chiefs, then they've got the Cowboys. Um, the Bills are capable of winning any one of those three games, let alone all three. And I also think that the Bills are able to win all three of those games. They will definitely turn around. And a lot of people will say this is a team that will probably win the AFC simply because the Dolphins have the Cowboys on Ravens and Bills to finish the season. But, yeah, I just can't see, on paper at least, the Dolphins losing a game until they potentially take on the Cowboys and by then you're hoping the Dolphins are 11-3 are and, and just playing for the one seed
0: Absolutely and if I think if we're going to do that, we're going to have to sort out two his turnovers, now it's been now he's had a great season to get along he's the first Dolphins quarterback since Dan Marine didn't have 3,000 yards in a season passing, um So far, I mean, look at the stats, 20 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. um, But he's only had two games this year without an interception. Sorry, three games this year without an interception. Um, And he's had three in his last two games, um, five in his last four games. And looking at the Jets game in particular, he threw two interceptions within a minute. Now, that period, would you put those picks down to just, just a crazy minute where he was completely off his game? Because apart from that, he was pretty good or does these picks worry you? The fact that you got one against the, the Raiders as well. Um, and, and then another two against the Jets. Um, and obviously with the record Dolphins have Coney against team with winning records. We haven't done that um, since week three of 2022. Um, does that worry you at all going into the games? I've just mentioned like the Ravens, like the Cowboys and, and going into the playoffs as well, when we'll probably play the likes of the, the chiefs or, or bills at some point in that stretch, just, does that worry you? Um, the, the amount of times he's turning the ball over, and um, with those big games coming up. Um,
1: this is an unpopular opinion. I've said on my own podcast on Go Time Dolphins. Tua is, in my opinion, Tua has one or two throws per game where you look back and go, I don't know what, I, I, I don't know what just happened. Um, for whatever, and again, most quarterbacks have those throws. So I'm not saying Tua is the only one that has them. But for whatever reason, tours tends to get picked off. There's if you look at the Jets Cowboys game, um, Dak Prescott has a throw which should have been a pick six to Source Gardner, but Source drops it. Tua has the exact same throw and he gets taken to the house. Um, the one against the Raiders, you could say, was well, just miscommunication, is what it is. But yeah, it's something that needs to be cleaned up. And anyone I I, you know, take on board anyone who says that. He's perfect. He's human. So he's going to have moments in games where it's like, you know, it's a poor throw. Everyone makes bad decisions, drops, all that kind of stuff. It's fortunate that the, that in these games, they haven't really meant much. You know, the fact that he's through two in essentially like under a minute against a really poor paper planes or sorry, Jets team is fortunate because a better team, you know, uses that to come out in the second half and get the win. But no, it's something which I think even he himself admits that has has to improve. You can't win championships, turn the ball over, you know, once or twice a game. I think I saw he's had five turnovers in the past two games, including fumbles and stuff. Um obviously we've got the end of the Chiefs game, what happened there? You had driving down against the Eagles, inception there. It's these are the difference between wins and losses. And like I said, it hasn't been too bad against the Raiders, hasn't been too bad against the paper, I, I call them the paper planes, um, against the Jets. But you can also look back and go, the reason the Raiders game was so close was because of sloppiness from the offense, including Tua. The reason, you know, we go into the half tens of 17-6 and potentially, essentially not, at the very least, 13-0 is because of sloppiness on Tua's behalf and it needs to be cleaned up um, whether it can be I'm 99% sure it can because it's just in my opinion moments of elapsing concentration um, but yeah it's something which hopefully the Dolphins, Mike McDaniel and the rest of the offense can sort out as soon as possible.
0: Absolutely but he's certainly got the weapons to to deal with this I mean um, it certainly was a great showing from the offense I mean Raheem Mostert had ninety four yards, two touchdowns. And both Rahe- uh, Jaden Waddle and Tyree Hill both had over hundred yards. Uh, Waddle having one hundred and fourteen, Hill having one hundred and two. Um, now this for me is something that I I love seeing because for years and years as my as my in my Dolphins fandom, we never had a hundred yard rushers and never had a hundred yard receivers. I mean, we had Devonte Parker who was injury prone all, all the time. Um, I, I never saw as. Rare I rarely saw to have a hundred yards in either category. So to have to have these hundred yard games, multiple hundred yard games in multiple games this year alone and most uh, almost got a hundred yards rushing. He's had the most touchdowns this year in the whole NFL and uh, had met many hundred yard games. I mean, if to it is to succeed, I mean he's certainly got the weapons around him to um to perform at his best.
1: Yeah, it's um it shows the balance of this Dolphins team. You can't go in as a defense. You can't go into the game saying we're going to slow down the pass game or slow down the run game. You have to. You have to take the entire offense seriously. Um, you know, the loss of Devon Achan, Hopefully, he's back. You know, next week against um, Washington. But the Dolphins just have so many star players. Um, you know, running the ball as as, um, as receivers, especially someone like Mostert, who so many teams kind of thought was past it, following injuries, following, you know, just essentially believing that the 49 assistant system was the reason why he was doing so well, as opposed to him, the actual player. He's, what, 31? Running back after 30 aren't really the same. But he's shown that, you know, he can change a game by himself. He's, like, what, so close to breaking... I think Ricky Williams' record for most touchdowns in the season for a Dolphins player. I think it's sixteen, and he's he's on top of like thirteen with what five, six games to go. So yeah, it's very much a case of this offense is just so balanced, so it's so different as well. Like we had so many offensive lineman injuries against the Jets, and yet that third quarter going to going into the fourth. We just ran the ball and we killed the game with that drive against the Jets' defense, which many people believe to be one of the best in the NFL. You know, this front seven, source Scott, Garner, DJ Reed, all that kind of stuff. The Dolphins just imposed their will, you know, little quick passes, one game, finished off with a touchdown and said to the Jets, um, that's it, game over now. So, no, I think, um, it might have been a forward goal, sorry. So, so, no, this offense Raheem he most, uh, um, even someone like Jeff Wilson Jr., um, fair play to them for being able to not be so one-dimensional. And it's part of the reason the Dolphins are, I say part, it's a massive reason why the Dolphins are eight and three heading into the final few weeks of the season.
0: Absolutely. And I think that last year, one of our biggest kiddies heels was maybe using the past game too much, but I think Daniel seems to have learned from that. And this year it's been evident and most mentioned there, most of 13 touchdowns this year. Uh, he's got a lot to go to catch up. Um, you know The, the 1,853 yards from Ricky Williams back in uh, 2002. But so in terms of single season records, he's only three off Ricky Williams, um, currently fourth of all time already, uh, only behind 2002 Ricky Williams, 1997's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and 2000's Lamar Smith. So I think with, as you, as you said, there's five games left to season, six games left. I think that he... I think there's a probably 75% chance he beats that touchdown record. And I think that will put him in, in Dolphins history forever. Um, you mentioned before that you watched the game as Jets fans. Now, did you go to either the Manchester or the London watch party to watch his game?
1: Uh, kind of. So the London watch party, I was there before the game. Um, mm-hmm. I said I'd be at a hippodrome because I have been most of my games. I spent most of the games watching it there. And me and a few Jets fans were like, you know, we'll watch it together, have some bit back and forth, a bit of fun. And it really, really was a lot of fun. I was at the I was at Clubhouse Five where the London watch party was. Um I was with the Dolphin UK podcast, Simon and Lee and a few others. Um and yeah, it was a lot of fun. I, I assume that the actual match was brilliant as well, you know, watching it with all those people. But no, I was at the Hippodrome, literally round the corner to Clubhouse Five, watching it with um some Jets fans and a few Dolphin fans as well.
0: Amazing. Now, I have to ask, and those listening, I haven't gone about this play, but what was it like when you watched it with Jets fans, especially when Javon Holland scored that 99-yard touchdown interception return from a Hail Mary? Um, it was...
1: So, like, Dolphins fans, Jets fans, if you, if you saw the game, you know what happened. But obviously, like, what made the Holland return even more brilliant was the fact that they had just got a pick six. So, you know tua has got the ball. We're thinking, let's put this game to bed before half, get the ball after half, and, you know, that's it. It really is done. Tua throws the pick six, and Jets fans are jumping up and down going, yeah, we're all in this, blah, blah. They miss the extra point. Jets fans don't even realise it. And they're like, well, it doesn't matter because, you know, we're on the board. Great, brilliant. Tua turns the ball over again, and you can see, like, the Jets fans really starting to believe. Tim Ball throws the, throws the ball, the one holding catches it, and it's like, okay, cool, you know, he'll get tackled is what it is. And being around Jets fans as us Dolphin fans, you know, the, the closer he gets to the end zone going, he's actually going to do it. And then we've got Jets fans around us just going, he's actually going to do it. It was brilliant. You can see the emotion and the life just drain out of them. And it was like, kind of like, I guess, the closest comparison I can really think of it would be like Harry Potter when the Dementors are just sucking the soul out of anyone happy near them. Holland's return just brought so much life to the Dolphins fan and so much of that life was coming from the Jets fan just falling, falling into the spirit, just going, it's the most Jets thing ever. A 99-yard Hail Mary with, you know, interception for a touchdown in which no one essentially gets near Javon Holland because Christian Wilkins does an amazing job of blocking and just, yeah, I... I really wish we were able to record that, but it's not something you can have your phone out because let's be honest, you just do not see it coming.
0: Absolutely not. I mean, I've never seen that happen in all my years watching the NFL and even going back to you, look at watching old documentaries, uh, the Football Live, America's game. I've never wanted to how Mary returned for a touchdown, a 99-yard touchdown as well. I mean, it was absolutely spectacular and it was... You know, hardest for me to get Poppy rolled up because I was I was in my house watching it. And my parents were watching I'm a celebrity. Um, you know, it <laughs> it wasn't something you can just but then out of nowhere I start, you know, in my house I start screaming and they're wondering what the hell's gone on and then I tell them what's happened and I show my dad uh, the play and it, I, I just couldn't believe it. And it's you know it's I, I didn't think that would be it would be hard to beat that for our player of the season. Um and I think I believe if I'm right, like the NFL do award every year where they give the play of the. year? I believe the Miami Miracle won it. Um, one year, maybe it was the the punter to kicker touchdown we had. I can't think whether it was Jason Sanders who either threw it or was. I think they do do this play play of the year um, award, and at uh, the NFL honors, and I can see that being potentially that award winner. Um, I don't think. Anyone else can say they've, they've ever done that. So, fair play to Javon Holland. Uh, I thought it was a fantastic, fantastic play. And as you say, it helped really kill momentum because I was thinking at one point, how are we have we had a back into this game? We were 10-3 up a half-time or 10 nil with a minute left to go. Just neither. And I think that was, I was thinking at the time, well, that is the biggest advertisement for both teams to so just... Um, just just kneel it and just and just let it go for half-time because we should have really just, in hindsight, just let it go 10-0 at half-time, you know, and we, we that should have been that. And the Jets definitely think the same thing after what happened to them. So, yeah, crazy last minute, um, three interceptions, two pick-sixes. Um, but, yeah, I think other than that, it was, it was pretty comfortable for Dolphins as we now move to eight and three. And hopefully, the, the day after this is sent out, we will be... Um, still top of the AFCs, but I sorry the AFC but I just don't I, I I think we'll still be second or third seed come you know come full time um of those games today but that is where we will end the Finns Nathan UK podcast for today so first of all thank you Kadim, for coming on today and once again returning to the show
1: no thanks for having me I'm always great to Dolphins especially after a win like that
0: Hopefully, yeah. And both times I've asked you on, both times we've ended up winning. So, um, yeah, maybe, maybe you're the good luck charm we need going into the rest of the season. Hopefully so. Yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, But yeah, I hope you all enjoyed that one. hope you all enjoyed, if you are listening, the watch party, whether it was our one in London or whether it was the one in Manchester, hopefully you had a good time and hopefully you enjoyed the rest of your Sunday. Uh, enjoy the games and hopefully enjoy the bills losing um but yeah this has been the fizz nation uk podcast i've been your host andy this has been kadeem simmons from go time dolphins and we will see you guys